This morning I'd like to deliver a message to you entitled, How Do You Believe? We can take some time maybe to think, say, well, wait a minute, isn't that the wrong word? Isn't it, what do you believe? Uh, or in whom do you believe? Or why do you believe? How about, how do you believe? In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, it says, this, it says this, you are our epistle written in our own hearts, known and read by all men. The word epistle is obviously a New Testament word. It's not a part of our everyday uh, vernacular. Uh, the, the word epistle actually means a letter uh, written or, if you will, an open book uh, for all to read. You're a letter. You're, you're an open book for everyone else to read. And so I guess it comes down to a question of, you know, what are they reading? Today is another very important day in that it is Veterans Day today. And I'm actually moved by uh, celebrating our veterans and, and a particular movie that I watched this last week that has brought me to this message. But I want to take a moment to honor all of our veterans in the house. If you've served uh, in any capacity in the military, would you please stand to your feet? Come on, I want to I want to celebrate you today. Amen. Can you stand? Amen. All of our veterans. Yeah. We love you. We're proud of you. Thank you. Thank you for serving. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for serving. Awesome. Now, I've always had uh, the mindset, um, had a particular mindset. Um, oh, I guess uh, I should do this. I forgot about this. Thank you. Kind of, he's kind of sneaking around there. Hey, hey, hey. Handouts. If you haven't received a handout yet, would you please uh, raise your hands? Our elders will be delighted to run Jiffy Snap Jiffy. To get that to you. One of them just fell in the back. But <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So here's your handout. It'll help you follow along today and also uh, take a look at the, uh, uh, the message later on this week and digest it and receive everything from it that you can. Amen. Uh, as I was saying, I, I've always had my own personal mindset regarding what qualifies someone to be a veteran, and the reason for that is this thing called peacetime veterans and wartime veterans. I'm a peacetime veteran. I, I served in the Air Force from 1981 to 1985, and the only military action uh, that took place during that time frame was a police action uh, that took place in October of 1983, uh, Grenada. Uh, we're Pretty much it was over in four days, and um, it was all done. Now, I didn't go into action, and although I didn't go into action, um, our unit from England Air Force Base in Alexandria, Louisiana, which is, by the way, home of the Flying Tigers, home of the A-10 Warthogs, um, I, was a, I was a leader in the Air Transportable Hospital, which is the Air Force's version of the Army MASH unit. And so we deployed several times uh, for exercises and setting up the tents and running uh, all of the air transportable hospital things. And when Grenada took place, uh, 
our uh, base was activated because we were, only, we were the close, one of the closest Air Force bases to the actual uh, incursion down there. Um, and so we were readied. And I normally wore a white uniform because I was a medic. And this was one of the only time I ever wore the fatigue greens was uh, when we were deployed to do an exercise with the ATH, Air Transportal Hospital. Or in this particular case where we were all deployed to the flight line to ready everybody to uh, board C-130s and to get ready to disembark. Uh, we were minutes from deployment when they sent the order to stand down. Um, I'm, I don't regret that, trust me, <laughs> at all. Because I'm forever grateful that I didn't have to face the horrors of war. I mean, <laughs> I did my tour of duty, sacrificed very little to do that four years, I mean, it was a job for four years. I, I had no act, you know, nobody fired a bullet at me. I didn't dodge bombs. I worked in a Band-Aid station hospital where, you know, we pulled splinters out of kids' hands. And we did some other stuff too, of course. But I didn't see, I didn't, you know, the horrors of war. And I am grateful for that. And I was uh, honorably discharged in January of 1985. And that four years has creased my life ever since then. I've never been the same since my tour of duty in the Air Force. However, over the following 15 years after that, I never considered myself a veteran. Because I had this idea that those who were truly veterans were those who went to war and faced the things that they had to face, and I figured that that honor belonged to those who actually went through the hell that is called war. I wore a white uniform in an air-conditioned building and did rounds up, you know, on the fourth floor ward for those that were in the hospital and drew blood and gave IVs and did minor surgeries in the emergency room and, you know, um, stuff like that. Uh, so I never really felt like a veteran, because in my own heart, that place of esteem and honor belonged to those who still had pictures of the horrors of war in their mind. And of course, and, and quite frankly, in many ways, I still feel that way. I really do. Uh, I mean, I'm grateful for the lasting rewards that I glean uh, as a, a veteran of serving my tour of duty in the Air Force. I so appreciate the VA and all the stuff that they do for me and special parking at Home Depot. And I mean, the list go, you know, you know, 10% off at this restaurant or that. And it's a wonderful thing. And I, I'm honored by that. Um, however, I still feel in my heart of hearts that the rewards, the accolade, and the honor is due the wartime veteran. And it far exceeds those who of us who did serve and served well but didn't sacrifice much, quite frankly. Um, this really came to life to me and more alive to me as I kind of contemplated this week and it's Veterans Day and it's Veterans Day Sunday. And for a long time, there's been this movie that I've been wanting to watch. And the movie was entitled Hacksaw Ridge. It's a very gritty movie uh, in terms of its attempt to depict the horrors of war and the wounds and the the death and the mayhem. It was based on a true story about a private first class Desmond Doss. 
He ultimately received the Congressional Medal of Honor from President Truman, despite the fact that he refused to carry a firearm. He, by his religious beliefs, did not believe in carrying arms, and uh, that doesn't fit well with joining the army, you know, at the beginning of World War II, right? And um, he, he faced uh, persecution, he, he faced uh, nighttime beatings by his platoon people, uh, he was ostracized, ridiculed, he was even court-martialed and jailed for his stand because to refuse to pick up the firearm after getting an order was a court-martial offense. And so he went to jail for that, and they kept trying to find ways to get him to break his conviction and, and say, okay, I'll carry the firearm. Um, but he wouldn't do it. Ultimately, his uh, alcoholic dad, who quite frankly was in the mess that he was in because he served in World War I, and the atrocities of war so impacted his heart and his mind that he didn't know how to live the rest of his life in a, normal, a normalized fashion. Are you all following me? And, and so the relationship between Desmond and his dad was quite broken until this one point in the movie where the dad uh, steps up during the uh, court-martialing um, to help out. And ultimately, the general that was leading the court-martial said to Desmond Doss that we will let you go into the fires of hell without a firearm if that's what you so desire. Um, and he did so. He risked his life. Um, and ultimately, he earned the respect of his, his comrades, his brothers, their admiration for his bravery after he risked his life without even carrying a firearm whatsoever or ever shooting one, firing one shot, he single-handedly rescued 75 men in the Battle of Okinawa. It was riveting. It was riveting. Get ready. And every time that he would rescue a soldier, he would lay there and he prayed, one more, Lord, help me get just one more.
you up. I'm ready to get out of here. Sure am. One more, Lord, help me get one more. He ultimately lowered 75 men down that Hacksaw Ridge by himself. Two of which, by the way, were Japanese soldiers. The soldiers he had, who had beaten him, they were all down in the valley. They didn't even know Desmond was up there. They kept saying, who's, bringing, who's dropping these guys? And somebody finally said, it's Doss. It's Doss. And they couldn't believe it was Doss. They went, Doss, he's the coward who wouldn't carry a firearm. And, uh, but they, these guys had never seen or experienced such bravery um, and sacrifice. And so deep was their confidence and admiration in Doss that this whole battalion made a decision. They were not climbing back up Hacksaw Ridge without DOS, they're with him. The only problem was it was Saturday. He was Seventh-day Adventist, and that's his Sabbath. DOS's captain uh, came to him and said, the, and this is a statement that, that really gripped me, and from this statement comes the title of my message, How Do You Believe? His captain came to him and, 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 and apologized to him, and you'll see this in a moment, and basically told him, the, under, the other soldiers, they don't understand what you believe, Doss, but they believe so much in how you believe that they won't climb Hacksaw Ridge without you. They, they don't understand what you believe, Doss, but they believe so much in how you believe that they ain't doing it without you.
I saw was a skinny kid. I didn't know who you were. You'd done more than any other man could have done in the service of his country. Now I've never been more wrong about someone in my life. I hope one day you can forgive me. We have to go back up tomorrow. I realize that tomorrow is your Sabbath. Most of these men don't believe the same way you do. But they believe so much in how much you believe. And what you did on that ridge is nothing short of a miracle. And they want a piece of it. And they're not gonna go up there without you. Waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private Doss to finish praying for us, sir. Private Doss is praying for you. Who does Private Doss? Let's go to work. <laughs> and so all of this, as I watched the movie and I was thinking about Veterans Sunday and you know it and I heard that statement. They they don't understand what you believe or believe like you, but they sure do believe in how you believe what you believe and it brought me to the that question well how do you believe and, I, and it's a question that I kind of present to each one of y'all today is how do you believe uh, number one on your paper is are there people in your life who may not understand what you believe yet they're moved in how you believe what you believe because I think sometimes that means means so much more. You know, word, actions speak louder than words, right? People want to see. And so I ask you this morning, as I ask myself, well, how do you believe? Is the way that you believe in Jesus Christ that compelling to people around you? Because I think that we, uh, at times, we spend way too much time telling people what we believe, telling them what we believe, and forget that what matters, and maybe even more so, is how we believe what we believe. Are you all following me? I mean, in other words, do you proclaim one thing but live another? Do you proclaim <coughs> peace in the middle of the storm, and yet when others see a storm in your life, what they see is worry and anxiety instead of peace? Uh, there's an old saying, and this is number two on your paper, what you do Speak so loudly that I can't hear what you're saying. <clears throat> How do you believe? 
do your actions and your behaviors actually line up with your words of faith? St. Francis of Assisi, he said, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. I think we, quite frankly, have lost sight of that in that we try to let our words do all the preaching for us when people can see that our actions, by and large, don't match our words. So how do you believe? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, which is our text for the day, in the New King James Version, it says, You are our epistles, written in our own hearts, known and read by all men. Whether you know this or not, there is somebody out there who is an unbeliever who has decided to keep an eye on you and watch you. You're the one person that either inspires them toward the Lord or convinces them that they should not pursue the Lord. That's a daunting task, but I learned this to be true many years ago when I was playing bass guitar, and it was over in the Grand Haven Resurrection Life Church, and I was pretty electric back then, you know, jumping up and down and and moving all around, you know, a little bit like Mike, only ten, ten times that demonstrative. And and Diane would always tell me, I wish you wouldn't do that. I wish you wouldn't do that. And I was telling her, I don't know how else to express my joy. And then one service after service, a lady from the church came up. And it probably was only moments after Diane said, I wish you wouldn't do this. And this is not a denigration to Diane. She was just embarrassed seeing her husband up there acting like a nut. Okay. <laughs> but uh, this one person came to me. She says, thank you. Every time I come to service, I watch you. And when I see you going nuts for Jesus... I lay all my stuff down and I just come into the throne room of the Lord. Now, what did that show me? Not so much that I could go ahead and be nuts no matter what my wife said. What it showed me was there's somebody out there who decided that of all the people on the platform during worship, they, they, she was going to watch Rick Lopez. Because if Rick Lopez just stood there like a bump on the log, she was probably going to sit there like a bump on the log. I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but when she saw my excitement, it, it caused her to have an excitement. So what am I saying? Somebody's watching you. you you've made, I don't even know that person's name. I don't think I got that person's name that day. I think I just set my base down and came to the edge of the platform as she came to the front to, to talk to me. But it stuck with me all these years. Somebody's watching me, and what, what are they seeing? How do I believe? Now, in the Message Bible, this same passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 through 3 says this, and it's pretty profound. You yourselves are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into humans' lives, and we publish it. Wow. So there's a, there is a progress of uh, Christianity, and it starts with repentance. It, it, it moves from repentance to conversion, uh, and then from conversion to becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. And once you're on that route of really being a disciple of Jesus Christ, you now can become an epistle or an open book or a letter for every other person to see. And uh, I guess it begs the question, what are they reading? What do they see on your pages? Not what are they hearing, because we're pretty good at saying all the right stuff, but 
my question today is how do you believe? What are they seeing in you? These guys, you saw them all standing there looking at Doss while Doss prayed. They weren't even taking their eyes off of him. It was only a short time earlier that they were beating him in the back room of the barracks, calling him a coward. And no one, don't say, the, even the drill sergeant, who he also rescued, said, uh, don't anybody ever expect Doss to help you or save your life. He's a coward. So stay away from him. And yet he saved 75 men. You saw how it happened. It's a true story, by the way. Well, um, let's, let's, let's talk about somebody from the Bible for a minute. Is that all right? How about the Apostle Paul? Everybody's heard of the Apostle Paul? Uh, he uh, wrote over two-thirds of, of the New Testament, the New Covenant of the Bible, and also went on several missionary trips. Um, and while he was in Rome, he actually wrote several of the letters. It's believed that he wrote the, the letter to the, uh, the Galatians, the Thessalonians, and the Ephesians while in Rome. Uh, but he also wrote a letter to the Roman church. Now, let's keep in mind that Rome was a, a, an unbelievably pagan uh, metropolis. It was, it was probably known as one of the, next to Corinth, maybe equal there, as one of the most immoral cities on the, in the whole world, Rome. So, uh, to say the least, it was a difficult place to be a child of God. It was a diff- difficult place to be a Christian. And yet, in his letter to the Romans, the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 8, he said this, First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all. Here, Check it out. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Wow. There was something pretty profound and important about how the Roman believers lived. Because their faith was spoken of throughout the known world. That's pretty amazing. Is your faith spoken of in your world? Is our faith as a church spoken of throughout our city and throughout our county? Uh, narrowing it down a little bit. These people in, the Rome, in Rome who had to face being thrown to the lions and burned at the stake and all kinds of other things, their faith was spoken of throughout the world. And that's what the Apostle Paul said. First, I thank the Lord that your faith. He was saying, first I want to thank the Lord in how you believe. Because it's clear for others to see how you believe instead of you just preaching to them what you believe. Are Are you following my drift? Number three, can it be said of us that how we believe, how we live out our faith is noteworthy enough to be a part of someone's conversation. This morning's message is an honor to our veterans, yes, as inspired by Private First Class Desmond Doss. But it's also a challenge to us all to look at our lives, and though many can quote lots of scriptures and may be quite eloquent in their ability to share of the word or their testimony, um, I can tell you that the average person today, especially the, the millennial, and no denigration at all to the millennial, praise God for this new generation. 
But the average person today, and especially the millennial, would say, I don't care to hear what you believe as much as I want to see how you believe what you believe. Because it's a generation that says, I've watched this for years and seen it in my parents and in my grandparents, that they speak a good thing, but they don't walk a good thing. So how do you believe? How do you believe? Let that sink in for a moment. Let's say this. I'm going to have you say this prayer with me, and I'm going to close. I'm done. Please say this prayer with me. I, I wrote down a prayer that I felt was for this moment. wrote it down yesterday. Bow your heads with me, please, and, and do your best to get your heart in the right position. Are you ready? Lord, help us to live our lives in such a way that it is a testimony to everyone around us. Help us to preach the gospel at all times and use words when necessary. Let our lives be a testimony. Let how we live and how we believe be a worship unto you, O oh God. May others see our lives and say, I'm not sure of all that they believe, but I sure do believe in how they believe what they believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you can receive that and believe it, can you give the Lord a praise in the house of God? Come on, give him a good praise.